This podcast is a love letter to every small business owner in Africa that dreams of growing big, every African executive that wants to get ahead, and every leader that wants more impact. I'm Tembi Kumalo, your host and the founder of Brand Builder Africa. We'll talk about everything to do with growing your business by building your brand. Chidi Afulezi is that cool professor with the fun t-shirts that you wish you had in high school, except he's teaching MBAs. And while he is super cool, he still makes you work like a demon. As one of his entrepreneurship and innovation students at Africa Leadership University, I learned a whole lot, not just about entrepreneurship and innovation, but also about how being fueled by passion can make a huge difference to those you serve. In this episode, he talks about the uncomfortable journey that entrepreneurship is, the love he has for teaching and developing people, and the importance of knowing which metrics really matter. Chidi Afulezi, how are you today? I'm good, Tembi. I'm very, very good. Uh, it's good to talk to you today. It's did Tuesday. I say your this name is, right? Uh, the... Yeah, you did. Did I say yours right? Let me just make sure. <laughs> you know, we've known each other for what three years now, and we're busy asking each other. Well, I never get to, I I never right, get to so... say your surname, so you know, I have to tiptoe around people. Second, yeah, you said it. Yeah, you said it pretty well. And that's the advantage of us being in the Pan-African environment, right? Exactly. You get to see the names from all kinds of places. So we get to practice. So yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. And where are you right now? I'm in Atlanta. So that's where I live. Uh, it's where my family is. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. You know, the, the epicenter of American politics today. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> that's where I am. I'm not going to take that bait, as delicious as it is. No, looks. don't, don't. <laughs> no, don't, please. Um, so you, but you're originally Nigerian, right? Can you tell us a little bit about yes, how, I am. how you came to be where you are right now in terms of your career background um, and your, your skills? And expertise. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, right now, if you say, where is Chidi? Chidi is, Chidi is this entrepreneur. He is this product guy. He is this uh, consultant advisor. I like to say I'm, I'm a whisperer. I, I usually find myself whispering and advising people. To get to this place, you know, it's been a journey, right? And I'm actually still on the journey. I'm still in the jungle. I haven't actually exited the jungle. Uh, I, I was born on the West Coast of the United States, but then you know, when I was five years old, we moved back to Nigeria with my parents. And the reason I like to say that is, uh, I think I'm very lucky to have had that experience. I spent the next 15 or 16 years of my life in Nigeria. And that's where the academic rigor you know, was instilled and in not just myself. And, you know, it was just a very competitive academic environment uh, back back in Nigeria when I went back home. And so the, the goal for me has always been this insatiable curiosity and, mm -hmm. and satiating that, that incredible uh, curiosity. 
So I be I ended up going to engineering school. I came back to the United States, uh, went to engineering school, and was very lucky to to participate in the build out of wireless networks across the United States. And and the reason I say I was lucky is because you get to see uh, literally a, a, a game changing technology, how transcendent and how transformational it was uh, for the world. And I was in the middle of it. Mm. And in doing that, uh, in doing that, I learned a lot of things, but I also learned that I didn't want to be an engineer, that I wanted to transcend from being an engineer to becoming more of, of someone who would take who would figure out what problems people were having and then try to solve them using that engineering. So mm -hmm. I then went to business school. And you know, do you need to go to business school to make that kind of a transition? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes you need to go to an environment that helps you pivot, right? Uh, because pivoting just right out of, out of your job is, is much more difficult. So B school helped me make that transition. Now, the one thing I didn't mention to you, Thambi, is music has always been something that I've been passionate about. But as a kid, I was just very into music, always thought that I'll be in the music industry. And I, I did, even mm. during undergrad, I ended up working for MTV. I worked for Sony Music. I was part of the hip hop community in New York City. Uh, this was in the early nineties when hip hop was really starting to grow. I was, I was very lucky to do that. And the reason I mentioned that is that's the other dimension, right? There's kind of the hardcore academic side, engineer, mathematician, but that music entertainment side was always there. I even wrote a check to myself and said, you know, in 10 years, this is, I think, in 1991, in 10 years, I'm going to cash this check. It was for $10 million as a producer. Now, I didn't cash wow. that check, but that was a motivational uh, tool yeah. that I used to, to work in the music industry. So the reason I mentioned that is after business school, I ended up going to Sony Music to do new technology and, and, and new innovation. And so that was a really great experience because then I used that as a way to now get into industries like the media and entertainment industry, uh, technology and media. Uh, and my last, my last job as a corporate exec was at CNN Turner, Turner Broadcasting, where I led the mobile product management team. And so I, I, that's a great way to look at the career in terms of just kind of the linear path that we're supposed to take. But the one thing I won't, I won't, I don't tell people a lot is that all three jobs that I had after business school, I was fired from. And <laughs> in hindsight, in hindsight, the reason I, I, I didn't laugh at any of these companies was because I just had this entrepreneurial streak that did not fit into the corporate world. And after the third time at Turner, it was very clear. Some, a mentor said to me, she said, Chidi, you, you might need to stop this whole corporate thing that you're doing and figure out what the entrepreneurial side of, of your work is going to look like. And, and how so does once that I make did you that, this feel, is, though? Because I feel like um, well, let me say, when people are in corporate, they really invest, you know, making connections and networking and finding sponsors and, you know, building that whole infrastructure that's designed to keep you ahead so when somebody says yeah. you're not cut out for this what does that feel like oh it felt if i you know like i started i, I felt I felt betrayed i felt um there's a darkness around people putting you in this kind of an environment um where you lose your job and and this is consistently you know this is a, as i said the three jobs after business school, each one of them, I was called into the senior executive's office and told Chidi, you don't have a job anymore. 
And so I felt, I felt really, it felt very awful at the time. Mm. And as you said, there's been investment. I thought I was bound for the C-suite. I thought I was bound for a corner office at one of these big companies. And I think now I realize that uh, you you got to go through, <laughs> you have to go through it. You have to, you have to be, you have to really get that kick in your behind by the system or by the universe or by God, whichever one you know, people want to subscribe to. They tell you, look, you don't belong in here. All that investment you've made is not a waste. It's just that it's going in the, in the, in the wrong direction. You should be focused on this direction. And also understand that when you go in this direction, you're also going to get to additional forks in the path. And you need to make sure that you, you just are ready to make some really hard decisions as you go along, you know? Mm. I'm in my 40s, in my late 40s. That, that is a lesson that I take, I, I now take with, with glee, right? And I, and I speak to it so much now because mm. ever since I left Turner in 2013, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I was still at Turner, right? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have met you and your cohorts over at, at ALU School of Business mm. if I hadn't left Turner. I wouldn't have met my partner, Zane, my business partner, Zane. Uh, I wouldn't have visited all the amazing African countries and don't work there if I stayed at Turner. And so, um, yes, I felt awful. It was a terrible thing that happened to me. Uh, I, I like to tell people that it happened to, you know, I was fired on June 6, 2013, my wife's birthday, right? So you oh, can imagine man. How, that, that, yeah, how, that, how that feels. But now June 6 comes and we're looking at it as emancipation. <laughs> Right, you know. Can you say that a little louder, please? To... <laughs> <laughs> it was right. I felt I felt like I was freed from um, an environment that has a tendency of putting golden handcuffs on you. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of our our executives who are very miserable. They're very miserable, but they just earn the yeah. paycheck and they don't know what else to do. And yeah. there's a fear of the unknown. So there's a fear what of the would unknown you that I've faced. Say, yeah, because I come across um, in my coaching practice a lot of um, people probably in their 30s, early 40s who are on this um, treadmill, should I call it? Mm -hmm. And they're not happy, but the idea of stepping off and stepping away from all of the trappings, you know, the big salary with the big perks and the pension and the, all of that security is so, utterly terrifying that they they continue they almost prefer the unhappiness um yeah what advice would you give someone in that situation that could help them maybe get a little bit of courage or a little bit of clarity yeah so there's this saying i think it's paulo Coelho, who wrote the uh, the Alchemist. Mm. So I hope many many of your 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 clients and, and listeners, I hope they get to read the Alchemist. And there's a quote that he 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 shares, which says, "If it costs you your peace, excuse me, yes, if it costs you your peace, mm -hmm. then it's too expensive, right?" Um, I I just think that you have to be very cognizant of the fact that. If you're in your 30s, you're grinding, you're on the hamster wheel, you're on the treadmill, and you're just kind of pushing, but your soul is empty, mm. then 
you want to truly do the assessment and say to yourself, how do I pull myself out of this before it's too late? Because if you talk to many people in their late 40s, in the 50s, in the 60s who did that, they are some of the most miserable human beings on this planet. Mm. And you'll see that that's, they, they try to make that shift in their 50s and 60s. And it may, it's never too late, right? But it's, it's oof, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And, and even when they do it, then you see there's a liberation, right? That, that's why I use the word emancipation when I was, when I was uh, let go of my job. You want to put yourself in a position where you ask yourself some really hard questions, which is, why, why am I even here? Why am I even doing this? Is this about money, right? Is this about prestige? Is this about status? Is this about titles? Because that stuff is so unimportant. Um, it really is. Yeah. And we get so focused on that. You want to kind of come in with the big car or come in with the flashy clothes or have the big title. But go and ask most of those people. Ask many of them. And I'm telling you, if they if they are honest with you, they'll tell you how miserable they are. Mm. Um, the folks who have jobs and they are very happy are the ones who have the jobs that they designed and that they could see themselves doing. That's why you see them. They're so happy. They're so chill. And they're not even flossing. They're not trying to showcase their wealth or their their everything, their expertise, they're just doing the work. They're just doing the work. Yeah. And so I would say this is the time. This is this is the time. If you got to use an academic environment to pivot and do it, right? You know, go study something and then use that as a way to pivot away from what you're doing right now, if it's that important to you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the goal is to just keep your eyes away from how much money do I have in my bank? Uh, that is not, those are not the metrics that matter, right? The metrics that matter are not the money or the titles. The, the metrics that matter is how, how good do you feel? How good do other people feel around you? That, that's, that's the key for me right now. Mm. Yeah, it's important, but very hard to, um, I guess, persuade someone to see if they're not oh, already seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're never going to be able to, it's not never going to happen in one conversation, right? Mm. Uh, it's one of those things that happens over the course of time, especially if that person, you know, you wake up in the morning, you know, if you're the type of person that on Monday you wake up and you say to yourself, oh my God, I can't believe I have to go in here. You have a problem, <laughs> right? If yeah. you're the kind of person that you, when, when you get home from work, you, 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 you literally just flop on your couch or just fall on the, on the carpet and just vegetate for five hours because you're so exhausted and your soul is so depleted, mm. you have a problem, right? If you find yourself envious of other people, you're, anytime a friend of yours announces on LinkedIn that they've taken a new job or you see somebody buy a new car or buy a new house, and the first thing you do is you're envious. Like there's this heart, this envy that just captures you and just essentially takes over your, your, your body, mm. you have a problem. Because that means that all your, all your, um, your, your goals, the values that you have are completely misaligned. And that's the work that has to be done. Yeah, it's, um, it's work that requires reflection. And I guess part of mm -hmm. the problem is, is that we often don't give ourselves time for reflection, particularly when you're in a in a hard um, corporate job, you know, it's like, it's always one thing after another, after another. 
um yeah. and then the day is gone yeah it's again you know there's one of our mbas i just wrote her a note i said how are you doing and i think she's in them too and she said chidi i am suffering right and oh. why are you suffering well my 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 bosses are coming at me and they just you know we just had this merger and then now they want this to happen they want that to happen and i tried to give us some counsel on reflection and 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 also time off right time off is not take three days and go into the mountains time off is finding five minutes 10 minutes to just clear your head and she said i can't do that i don't have the time to do that wow and you know we're having a we're having a conversation but i think she's come to realize that oh yeah she can absolutely you can you can find 10 minutes one hour you know mm. after when you walk into your house don't turn the computer on don't turn your phone on mm. take the one hour right and do what you need to do if it means that you go to bed an hour later okay fine but well, give yourself some time to do the reflection to do the work because if she does the work at some point she's going to say this is not sustainable i i can't have other people driving me like this yeah yeah and my and my salary is not even on par Right, mm -hmm. that was the other piece. She was like, "I can't believe I'm doing this for this little money." That's the part <laughs> that really breaks my heart. Right, yeah. at least get something from, me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, one of the most powerful lessons that I have found is when executives die, and they just they're replaced, and you say to somebody, "You're actually replaceable." Like it's not the company doesn't fall to pieces or come to a standstill if you're not there so you can actually yeah. afford 20 minutes or an hour or two weeks or whatever it is because this thing yeah. has a life of its own it'll keep moving <laughs> with or yeah. without you Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah so uh, when you made this move from corporate what did you do where did you go and how did you build the personal brand that you have now? Because I think it, it always looks so easy. You know, one day he's at MTV and Sony, the next day he's in demand with universities and people developing products and, you know, podcast hosts wanting him to be on their show. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So his inbox is overflowing but, with invitations. Um, my inbox I, I is not overflowing with invitations. Exactly. What was that transition like? It was. It was. It was very difficult. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. So one of the things I discovered was all the friends that I thought I had when I was a corporate exec at this big company. Uh, actually, we're not my friends, right? These are just, you know, colleagues, acquaintances who, you know, yeah, these are colleagues. And so wow. it was amazing how lonely it got. It got very lonely, extremely lonely to the extent that, you know, you have some of your folks who you easily call and get them on the phone. And next thing they're using the admins or the executive assistants. That's how they're, they're scheduling you. Oh, she's not available for the next three months, right? Wow. And so, I just have to be clear that it, when you make this kind of a transition, it is no other way for me to say this. It is going to be lonely. I don't care how big, how cool, how important, how influential you were. 
you will lose significant perks, you will lose a lot of tools, a lot of resources, and you will lose a lot of people. Okay, mm-hmm. so it was very difficult for me. Uh, I, I started my company, my my consulting company, Red Cola, and tried to get some gigs, and I couldn't. I it was very difficult. Uh, as as talented as you might think I was, or as good as you think I, I was, mm-hmm. I just couldn't get those gigs. And so what started happening was I started saying, okay, all right, since these consulting, big consulting gigs are not coming out, let me start doing some startup consulting. And then there was an organization here in uh, in Georgia, in Atlanta, called General Assembly, and they're uh, they're like um, a post they're post college or post university type of um, organization where you can go and learn coding, you can learn product, you can learn marketing, you can learn uh, user UI UX, user mm-hmm. interface, user experience. And so I said, okay, you know what? Why don't I go there? Because I love teaching. I've always loved teaching, but I never really started teaching. I said, let me go there and let me just, let me go and start doing some product. Ended up going there, becoming one of the best product, uh, one of the best product instructors there. And that started to give me the confidence of, you know what? I could actually find my way into the into academia, um, but not not the way everybody else is trying to do. I, I want to be an instructor, a, pro, a professor, uh, uh, a teacher that is really instilling some important product management, entrepreneurial type of, of things. And right. so that, that, that was really good for me. And then a year later, somebody introduced me to my business partner, Zane, right? Um, and she had also left Turner and you know she, she felt the same issues that, she, that I was facing. And before you know it, we started a business together and we've been together since then, since 2014. Uh, our business has, has, has closed, it closed last year, uh, 2020, but we're, we're together, we're doing some consulting gigs right now together and we're actually about to start another company uh, once we can get our, our, our arms around the problem that we're trying to solve. So it's, it's been, it, and, and look, family, let me say this. There have been some very dark times, you know, uh, to the extent that my family was, our, our, ex, our day-to-day was threatened. The home was under pressure. Uh, actually, the foreclosure process started at, at, on, on, on a couple of occasions. Uh, we've had to postpone, we had to postpone payments to our children's school because we didn't have the money. Uh, we, we, we went through some really seriously dire financial situations and, you know, the temptation, I'll tell you the temptation to go take a job at Facebook Mm. with, uh, was there. I mean, Mm. you know, people, I got some calls from some headhunters who said, Hey, you know, we're looking for a director or VP of product here and there. And I was, I was very tempted Right. But the one thing that kept me going was I knew that if I go back to corporate, I'll be miserable. I just knew it. Right. You know, you know, in your blood, when you know that you're just going to be miserable. So why go to a miserable situation? Yes, you're going to be paid. Maybe the family is doing better. The house is not going to be foreclosed. But I just didn't feel like that's the kind of misery that I wanted, especially with the politics of corporate and especially at the executive level. Mm-hmm. So we hung, we hung in there, right? Um, and Zane and I have been able to, you know, alleviate the situation a little bit, right? We're still kind of digging ourselves out of the ashes of our coma, our business. But we're in a we're in a place where, okay, you know, things have settled down a little bit, and now we're starting to think about what's next. 
So that, that was a transition, you know, again, adversity versus prosperity. If you were to ask me advice about that, it ebbs and flows. It's up and down. It happens to every single human being on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so once you acknowledge that it's going to be up and down, right. and you, you are ready for it. So, yeah. so, so actually the part that, that people don't understand is you need to be prepared just as much for adversity as you are for prosperity, right? When, when, when prosperity is in your face, you know, you need to be prepared for that. Not too many people can handle prosperity, okay? So um, that's the way I've kind of been navigating these days. Yeah, I think those are really important points that you raise, particularly the cyclical nature of hardship. Because if you, if, yeah. if you think about it like the seasons, like it's never going to be winter the whole year. And it's never going to be summer the whole year. <laughs> yeah. And every year that's you know true. that you can expect a winter somewhere, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like you, you get a, a little bit of peace that way. So yeah. when it comes to now being on your own, you no longer have the uh, big brand. Uh, you're no longer Chidi from MTV or Chidi from Sony. How do you show up your credibility without the big brand behind you? Oh, yeah. That actually, that's when you have the opportunity to really showcase your credibility. So mm. what starts to happen for me, for, for example, what I started doing was, okay, so I was this big product guy at Sony, this big product guy at Time Warner, this big product guy at Turner. CNN. And so what you do now is, again, I told you, I started working with startups, right? And I would take, uh, you know, then I started teaching. And when you start teaching and you start to impart knowledge, you're going to have people who will come through your sessions or your workshops or your masterclasses. And they see you speaking the truth about product or about solving problems. Mm. And they say, hey, Chidi, can you please come help my company, you know, you, and, and, and Femi, you know me, I'm very, there's a candor and a reality, a realism that I bring to my conversations. And so they, a lot of people saw that and they were just, oh, Chidi's guy that you need to go talk to of a product. And so I started building that reputation in Atlanta, right? Where mm-hmm. all of a sudden people were like, oh yeah, Chidi, <laughs> you want a product? Chidi has to be part of that conversation. And so, you know, with those startup conversations and then with the teaching and then even my own, you know, every now and then there was a, a consulting gig here and there, I started, that reputation actually started to disperse. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because at the big companies, my reputation internally, that's where the reputation was. But externally, it wasn't as strong because yes, you work for Turner and yes, you're doing this really great stuff. But the way people saw you was, oh yeah, he works for Turner. Right. And and Turner is not out there really promoting you as this product person. Indeed. But when you're on your own, yeah, when you're when you're on your own, all of a sudden it's your job. You're on a panel, you are attending yeah. uh, conferences, if people yeah. are asking you questions, and you're able to speak candidly, right? You're able to speak truthfully, you're able to mm-hmm. speak with every single ounce of experience that you have. And people are like, oh, this guy, that's the guy. And then from there, I, I meet Zane. And then what Zane does is now she opens up my, my Rolodex to Africa and, and other countries. Mm-hmm. And so then she's out there. She's saying, oh, you need to talk to Chidi. You know what, Fred Swanaker, you need to talk to Chidi. You know what, Claire Akamanzi, you need to talk to Chidi. Right. And then what starts to happen is those folks start to talk to you. 
And then they are like, yeah, Chidi, Chidi knows what he's talking about. You know what, Chidi, you should consider the business school or you should help my team understand product. And before you know it, your reputation, your credibility starts to, is really hardening and starting to blossom the way it should. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and there's I, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of serendipity in this stuff too, right? And, <laughs> and that's the thing that people need to realize. That's why you build your networks, right? Because the more people who know you, mm. you know, I, I trust that my MBAs, I love talking about my MBAs. I trust that at some point they will say to somebody, you want to talk product? Oh, please, mm. you have to go and talk to my professor Chidi, right? <laughs> and right. that's how that credibility is built in, on the continent. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So what advice would you give? Let's say three things that you could tell somebody who is in a job or has come out of a job and is, is wanting to, to really cement their reputation, build their credibility and build a business that lasts. Um, so you're not talking to a side hustler or, or somebody who's decided that corporate life is for them. But you're talking to somebody who is is in that wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Where it's it's okay. it's a little bit hard. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the first thing I'll I'll say to somebody is you have limited time. Get to it. Mm-hmm. The one thing that people make the assumption is that they have a lot of time. And mm-hmm. they don't. You know. We don't have time. Um, there's dead time, there's a lifetime. Get to it. Just get to it. Don't make any assumptions about your time. People make a lot of assumptions. You know what? Maybe two years from now, I'll go to business school. Mm. You know what can happen in two years? <laughs> I mean, think about somebody who in 2019 said, you know what? Maybe next year I'll just I'll start a tourism, a tourism business, right? You know, and <laughs> Imagine what happened, right, in 2020. Right. So you don't have a lot of time. Get to it. That's the first piece. Get to it. Stop wasting your time. You know, um, there, you know there's a, a, you know, in philosophy, they like to talk about how from the day you're born, mm-hmm. you have been given, you have been given a, a your diagnosis is, is death, that's what you were the day you were born, boom, all of a sudden the clock is ticking towards you dying, right? Right. And so, you know, many, many times, many times people think, oh, okay, okay, and I have so much time. When the truth is you don't, right? Yeah. And so get to it. That's number one. That would be my my first piece of advice for for people. Don't don't think that you have all the time in the world because you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see, what else did I think about? Um Okay, so the other piece that I would like to let people know about is, honestly, you are the only person who can truly, truly determine how you move forward. Other people have their own wahala, their own drama. I mean, for those of you, you know, I know people say, oh, I need a mentor. I want to have a mentor. Do you know how hard it is for me to want to, you know, somebody reaches out to me and says, I, I would like you to mentor me. You know how much I don't have time to mentor you, right? Because I have my own wahala. I have my own drama. 
it's like on a daily basis, people are coming at me, situations are coming at me, events are coming at me. Yeah. So you are the one that's in charge of your destiny. You drive, you're, you're the one driving. Don't look to other people. The world is indifferent to your success or to your failure, right? And, sure. and so when you find yourself kind of looking outside of your, your box and trying to see, oh, you know, haters are going to hate. You know, one of the worst things anybody can tell you is, oh, there are haters out there. Nobody's hating on you, right? Don't even <laughs> waste your time thinking about other people. Stop you know, putting your focus on if this person says this or if this person does that or if they sign that check or if they do this then my life would be better. No, mm. that is not the way it is. Mm. Nobody is sitting there thinking about you. You know how we, in our imaginations, we think, oh, that person, all they're doing is this sitting on a couch right now, just thinking about me. No, they're not. <laughs> they are not thinking about you. Plotting the reason they haven't called demise. you or that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, nobody is plotting your demise. And here's the other part. Nobody is plotting your greatness either. Mm. Right? Nobody is sitting there saying, here's how I'm going to make Chidi great. Mm. Or here's how I'm going to make them be great. Or here's how I'm going to make John the best. No, nobody's doing that. The only person doing that is you. Mm. So true. Right? So, yeah. yeah, so you don't have a lot of time. And, you know, other people don't have a lot of time. So don't sit there waiting for others to validate your, your greatness or to validate your your, you know, the hatery that you think people have said in your way. <laughs> Nobody is, is, is doing that. Um, and then there's a, you know, I, I, I'm going to mess this up, but um, I remember when th th there's, there's a, a conversation or, around what are the metrics that matter, right? Mm -hmm. And for many people, that is where we are out of focus is the metrics that we have decided to define for ourselves. This is my third piece of advice. What metrics matter to you? I've yeah. seen people who say, I want to live an enviable life. Oh. I, want, I want to live, I want to have so, so, and so amount of money in my bank account. I want to become the chief executive officer of a Fortune 500 company, and so on and so forth. And the question then becomes, are those the metrics that matter to you? Really? Like, think about your values and everything you've done in your life. And if you can't really define metrics that truly push you forward, that motivate you on a daily basis. You know, people think that there are folks that you think, oh, money, money, money. That's not necessarily true. There's more to it. There's, there's more to somebody who is on a, a, this infinite quest for wealth, right? The question I'm asking, the advice I'll give you is to really understand what metrics matter to you, okay? Because once you define those metrics and you find out, and this is work. It's not like you just sit down one day and just say, okay, here are the metrics yeah. that matter. Yeah. Once you really understand what metrics that matter in terms of, okay, um, is, 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 this about the, is this about other people's success? I know that's definitely one of my metrics. There's no reason, there's no way I'll be doing what I'm doing at ALUSB or some of the other work that I do with the creatives on the continent, if I wasn't number one invested in other people's success, I want to see my MBAs blow up. I want to mm. see the creatives that have come through me blow up. I want to see them do well, right? And every yeah. time I get a note from somebody saying, hey, this person has, 
you know, raise this amount of money or this creative has, you know, I have one of my creatives that she is now one of the top um, screenwriters in Nigeria. It, it's amazing. Yeah. So what are the metrics that matter to you? You have to define them. You have to design metrics that are so um, transcendent that it doesn't depend on you having money or it doesn't depend on you having a mm. title. You know, you remove the if, if, if then or if and type of statements where mm. when this happens or if that happens, then I can do that. No, yeah. no. Yeah. So that would be my third piece of advice is um, define, you know, really find strong, coherent, lucid metrics for your life and, I love and live that. by them. I love that because actually that takes us right back to the first question that we ask when we are um, designing a personal brand or any brand, which is purpose. Because if you don't understand yeah. the purpose of a thing, you're going to abuse it. And, and yeah. understanding the metrics that matter actually um, helps to clarify that. That's really good advice. Thank you, Chidi. I feel like we barely got started um, and we're oh, already yeah. you know, at the end. So we're probably going to have to have you back. <laughs> have me back. If yeah. you can find time between all the demands, <laughs> you know, people looking for you and wanting to make you more famous than you already are. We would love oh, to Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> if I was, you know, if I was seeking, you know, the one thing I'll say, here's another piece of advice. Yeah. If somebody said, should I choose to be wealthy or famous? I would say, go, go for wealth. Just go for ah. wealth. See how that works for you before you start going for famous. Right? On that note. Because a lot of people want fame. <laughs> on that note, All right. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking thank to you. Thank you. Right. Same here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Brand to Build, a podcast brought to you by Brand Builder Africa. We'll be back here next week with more thoughtfully curated content for entrepreneurial leaders who are doing business in Africa. Stay, subscribe, and let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear about next. To learn more, visit our website at www.brandtobuild.co or email askus at brandtobuild.co.